And you're all very welcome once again to the latest episode of the Global Gale podcast. My name is Philip O'Connor, coming to you from my little studio here in Stockholm, broadcasting to the 70 million Irish people around the world, our little community of 70 million. You may be born in Ireland, you may have parents or grandparents or great-grandparents from Ireland, and this is the podcast for you. As I always say, this is a community podcast. It exists because you do. If you want to support it, go to patreon.com forward slash our man in Stockholm. That's the podcast feed where you'll find the Global Gale, you'll find the Irish in Sweden podcast, you'll find the Premier Swedes podcast about all the Swedish lads who played in the Premier League, and you'll find the Our Man in Stockholm podcast itself, which is where I started my podcasting uh, business, would you call it? I don't know if you call it that. But yeah, that was what started a good few years ago, uh, talking about media and politics and stuff like that from a, a Nordic perspective, but always looking back to our home country of Ireland. I hope you're well. I'm kind of a bit under the weather, so I'm trying desperately not to cough as I record this little intro for you. And... Um, I hope maybe that we're picking up a few new listeners this week because there's been, uh, over the last couple of weeks, I think it was the 14th of April, there was a very sad decision taken by RTE and the Director General there, D Forbes, and I believe that they have closed down the long wave transmission into the UK of RTE Radio 1, right? Now, this may make no difference whatsoever to you if you're living in Brisbane or if you're living in San Francisco or if you're living in Hong Kong, but it made a huge difference to Irish people, especially older Irish people who were living in the UK for so many years. In fact, it was probably their their only real link to home for many years. And of course, you know, older people like myself and older maybe don't understand uh, technology. They might not have uh, a Spotify account. They might not have, you know, the grasp of a smartphone where they can do more than sort of ring their kids or, or their grandkids, you know. So uh, in the past, that would have provided a service whereby they could listen to Gay Bourne and Pat Kenny and uh, Sean O'Rourke and they could listen to, you know, Sunday Miscellany and my uh, the late departed, my good friend Marion Fadukan. But now, unfortunately, that's gone. And it's really sad in a way because these are Irish people who maybe suffered more than most, despite the fact that they were the people who moved, you know, closest to home, still in an English-speaking country, and yet they were still so far away. And the long wave service from RTE was uh, was a great comfort to them. It's a shame to see it close down. Uh, I hope that you know the the listeners who who do remain who enjoy that service can uh, start to learn to navigate podcasts and maybe they'll start listening to this one as well. So if you're joining us for the first time because of that, if you're discovering the podcast world. You are most, most welcome to the Global Gale to join this ever-growing community around the world. Now, this week I had a fascinating chat with a chap. And Facebook is great because no more than the, the long wave track on uh, RTE, it's just it's about it's all about connection, isn't it? It's all about using social media uh, to connect with people, and especially in podcasting, that's very useful. So don't be surprised now in the near future if you interact with the Instagram uh, or my Instagram or my Facebook or my LinkedIn, and I pop up after looking at your profile and I say, oh, "Look at you have a story to tell. I'd love to hear it," because that's the way it often happens in this business. And one of those people that did that was a chap called Paul Ward. 
uh, over in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or somewhere in Wisconsin. At one point, he was in Kenosha, and then he was in Milwaukee and that kind of thing. But I noticed that Paul was over there. He was doing two fascinating things, right? One was the fact that he uh, has spent most of his life, much of his life, after studying in art college, he fell into the catering business, right? Working in Irish bars and pubs and restaurants and that kind of thing. And I've always really wanted to talk to somebody in that line of business to give me a little bit of insight into how that's done, particularly in America. Because you know what they say, there's an Irish bar in every city in the world, you know, but America's a special place and we have an awful lot of, you know, first, second, third, fourth generation people there. They go to the pubs on St. Patrick's Day. I know on Causeway Street in Boston, when people are going to see the Boston Celtics, this is one of their ways. Going to Irish bars and sitting and having a pint and a small one is a way of expressing their Irish heritage. So I really want to get into that with Paul. But the other thing is that Paul is now organising tours, right? So he's bringing back groups of people to see the places in Ireland that he loves the most and where he grew up and where he thinks they're simply going to get the best crack and the best experience of Ireland. And that, ladies and gentlemen, if you've ever tried to travel, you know, bring your kids back to Ireland, you'll know what a huge undertaking that is. Now, make that 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 people and you'll know all about how difficult that can be. So I decided I'd get in touch with Paul anyway. And, uh, and we'd have a chat about that particular subject because at the moment now he's taking bookings. I'm going to include the link in the show notes uh, to Paul and Ian Gould as the other chap is doing it with him. I'm going to include the link in the show notes. So if you're listening to this, the podcast app, like Spotify, like whatever it is you happen to use, right? You'll find a link there that you can go in and find out more information. And if you want to join the boys, do. Because I think after this, uh, hearing this conversation, you probably will, right? Paul, over to you. Let's have a little chat about you and your life and work and your tours coming up to the Green Isle. Sure would help a lot Wouldn't you like to get away All those nights when you've got no lights The check is in the mail And your little angel Hung the cat up by its tail And your third fiancé didn't show Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name And they're always glad you came You want to be where you can see Our troubles are all the same You want to be where everybody knows your name Paul, let's start back at the very beginning. How old were you when you moved to America? And what was that like for you? Um, I was 17. So I was like, it was like right in the middle of uh, my senior year in uh, Ireland or sixth class, you know. So I barely scraped out of doing the leaving certificate with my life. You know, I ended up emigrating to America um, like in November of, I say, 1994. It, it kind of shows off my age then you know we do it that way but um yeah i got i got um, my father was offered a job that was based over in the states and uh we all came over but yeah that, i always remember that being my thing was like geez i just i left just prior to the leaving certificate i was saved did, did you feel like you dodged <laughs> a bullet there you did i totally did i totally did i mean i'll tell you right now philip like me in ireland like um i was really good at art you know that was my that was my go-to like you know I always like whenever I was in art class all my friends because I went to an all-boys obviously Catholic school as half the half the country does indeed you know like the fellas and and um 
you know, they would always carouse around me, you know, like, oh, what you draw in there? What you draw in there? And if it was the, the one place where I felt at home that I was actually succeeding in, but everything else, not very good. You know what I mean? So yeah. I was happy to get out when I did, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're dropped into an entirely different situation. The, the, the job that your dad got, was that in Wisconsin or was it somewhere else in America? I was in Wisconsin. Yeah, I was, it was actually we had a choice. I think there was a training facility that was down in uh, Milwaukee, which is where I am now. Mm-hmm. And in Green Bay, and he chose to go to Green Bay. Maybe it's because of the color. I don't know. Um, <laughs> sure. It sure as heck wasn't the Packers anyway, because I didn't even know about the Packers till we came here. So they were rubbish back then as well. I think. They, they were rubbish. They were rubbish. But I'll tell you what, one thing, you know, a little segue into the Packers. It was like the second question I was asked when we got off the plane in Austin Straubel Airport at midnight um, in Green Bay was like, what's your name? Was the first question. Second question was, are you a Packer fan? <laughs> And you had to say yes, I suppose, did you? Yeah, well, because if I didn't, I was wondering if they weren't going to help me with the bags. <laughs> You'd end up going back to Ireland and doing your leaving cert if you answer that one. Exactly, wrong. exactly. So I, like, I better, I better say yes to this one, you know. So yeah. yeah. And were you, <laughs> were you put into school there for your sins, or did you just go, okay, there's no point in doing this now. Let's put this lad to work. No, no, I, I, uh, I finished my my senior year over here, so I started um, back up uh, after uh, Christmas. That's they call that the second semester. And um, I went to the school that uh, a friend of mine was going to. That's how I chose. I was like, her name was Chelsea, Chelsea Rasmussen. And I, I just felt comfortable around her. And I was like, you know, I'll go wherever you go. I'll go. You know what I mean? She was the first friend I met in America. And, you know, it was a great school. It's called Preble. It was a massive school. All the kids drove. Jeez, Philip, like, you know, in Ireland, they have the bicycle sheds. And we all walk or we take the city bus, you know, or whatever. Jeez, in America, like, they had a parking lot for all the cars for the, the kids. And I, I remember first seeing it from, and I was like, geez, that's a lot of teachers. But like, that's not the teachers. That's, that's uh, those are the students. And I was like, what? Whoa. Yeah, that was like my first culture shock, you know, so. Yeah. Were you far oh, behind? Yeah. Did it take you long to get your driving license after that, did it? Um, not too long after that, because it's like driving bumper cars over here. Everyone drives an automatic. So you just have to put your foot in the gas and go or, or put your foot in the brake. And honestly, I, it's really fairly easy. It's, um, you know, so I passed that with flying colors You know, the same with the, um, going to school over here. Um, I think I averaged about, I was a C student in Ireland easily. Mm. Uh, I struggled. And, um, but in America, no changes, whatever I was, I was in the honors, honor roll and, I was averaging B's and A's and um, it was pretty, pretty different feeling altogether. It was like a big weight came off in a way for me, you know what mm. I mean? So, yeah. It yeah. must have been hugely different because even though you were sort of at the tail end end of, you know, the educational tyranny that was the Christian brothers, I suppose, in many ways. <laughs> but at the same time, it was still very tough <laughs> and they had very high standards. Did you find it different because you would have been in the same class as girls and that kind of thing? Was that a big shift for you, Paul? Oh, yeah. I mean, when you say the the tyr- tyrannical thing with the um, Christian brothers, that's exactly it. You know what I mean? It was there was no nonsense, you know, and, and it was hardcore, you know, and, and uh, geez, you'd be zeroed in, you know, like I, I always felt like if you weren't if you weren't up to spec, you know, in a way um, you'd get you get picked on, you know. And sometimes that was with the, the the Christian brothers and sometimes that was with your fellow classmates, which was normal, I suppose, at that age. 
But, you know, when I look back on it, yeah, you know, like I, I had a much better time in the States when it came to uh, the schooling. Um, they're just the, the, the teachers. And this isn't like, you know, like putting down Ireland by any means, but the standards in Ireland were, were so impeccably high mm. um, for a fella like me. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, like I said, I mean, I flourished in art and all the creative thinking and you know, I did a lot of research there. So I think there's something like seven different ways where our brains learn. Like there's seven different personality types. And mm. and I think in Ireland, if you just don't understand it, that's it. You know what I mean? And um, But I have a lot of admiration for the quality and the standard of the Irish education. It's one of the best in the world. Mm. Um, and, but it was it was a huge shift to answer your question, you know, coming to America where they literally give you the answers for the tests. You know, like before you get the bloody test, I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, so we're having a, a test tomorrow. Here it is. And I was like, OK, that's just a, you know, a, a test, like an example. Yeah. No, no, that's the test. And I was like, huh? And they're like, that? yeah, go study that and then we'll test you on that tomorrow. And I was like, what? And it was a lot of it's multiple choice. A lot of it is just true or false you know a lot of it was just like you'd see the test you just learn the test like in ireland you'd be like hey we're giving you a test on the last broken like what is it three months of work yeah. and you and you better you better study up in the next week or or you're in for it i think that's where it was it was like you know you're it was this huge huge uh shift you know it must have been very, very different. I, I think James Joyce is supposed to have said that the Christian brothers could do anything in the world except educate an artist. And it seems <laughs> to me that you, that you wound up in, in that particular sphere as well, you know? Well, and the it? irony is we were all artists in Ireland and we're, we're writers and poets and art, you know what I'm saying? And singers and, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was right. a bit of a backhanded yeah. compliment from Joyce then because I said she was saying they couldn't educate anybody, you know? <laughs> but how, we're how already you... educated. How did you find it socially then? You mentioned your friend Chelsea Rasmussen there, that you, you fell yeah. in with her fairly sharpish. Did you find, because, you know, there was, when it was an all-boys school and that kind of thing, you know, it could be fairly raw as well when you have lads mm. together. Did you find it easy enough to fit in and to make friends there then? I did, actually, yeah. And that was, that was like, hats off to all the all the kids that, you know, I went to school with, you know. Like, I felt like I was in a movie. You know, like Ferris Bueller's Day Off or something like that. Like, literally, like, you know, the, the schools, you, the American schools you see, on the, t the TV was exactly what it was, you know, like the hallways, the lockers. And, and it was just, I was like, I was like mesmerized by all of this. And you're you know, the typical camera shot of them going down the hall with all the kids looking at the camera. Mm. That's what it felt like. And you had the preps and they were turning around. How's it going? They called me Irish Paul. How's it going, Irish Paul? Hey, how you doing? I didn't know him. Then you had the goths, you know, you had the metalers and you had like the you know, the nerds, you had all of these different subsets of people. And they're all, how's it going, Irish boy? How's it going? I was like, Jesus is great. You know what I mean? Like everyone knew me and everyone wanted to be a part of it. And I had never been invited to so many proms and, and Debs or whatever it is. And it was great. I was just there like five months. And it was, they were, people were so welcoming and so like with open arms and they invited me out and there's like, come on, let's go out. And, you know, of course the only downside was I had to, I had to repeat myself three or four times because they found it really endearing, you know, like how I pronounce things or, mm. oh, geez, say that again, say that again. You know what I mean? But again, it was just the age I was in, I was 17. So everyone else was just like, ah, that's lovely how you say that. You know what I mean? Fantastic. Did you get involved <laughs> yeah. in sports at all? Because sports is a huge thing, as you mentioned, with the Packers and the Bucks and the Brewers and this kind of thing, right? I never got into sports. Yeah, it was just like, for me, uh, I was so focused on just get, 
honestly, like I was at that age, I'll be honest with you, like I, I was trying very hard to to mask my accent. You know what I mean? I wanted to fit in, you know, and I, I just didn't want to be the uh, Irish Paul, if you will, anymore. It was nice at the get go. But like, um, as far as sports go, no, I never I never did any of that, you know. Um, but even in Ireland, it was the same way, you know, like all my friends were massive like premiership fans or you know hurling like a lot of my friends were hurling fans you know what i mean um and my my incidentally my uh math teacher was cormac bonner he played for tipperary in the 80s you know and like yeah yeah it was mega altogether so like there was a huge culture obviously in limerick you know limerick a massive rugby city you know um but i never got into it yeah, it was just, I think it was the artist in me and the master and I love the girls, you know what I mean? And, and like for me, I was just kind of like I was focused on fitting in um, and just enjoying myself, I suppose, you know, because I knew I wasn't going home. And I think after like the first couple of weeks, the vacation or the holiday feeling wore off and that's when it all set in. I was really depressed and I wanted to go home and I missed my friends and I miss driving on the left side of the road or whatever it was. You know what I mean? Like it was all the little things, Philip. It was the smallest things and, and it, they're amplified. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm tra- I'm going off on a tangent here, but like that's that's what was really hard for me was was uh, it was just the finality of it all. Here's yeah. a seven, 17-year-old kid and, you know, in ni- 1994 or 95. And I mean, it's not like I could just hop on a plane anytime I wanted. As an adult, you can do that, right? But for me, I was like, dang, Mac, I'm not going to see these guys for a long time. What's going on? And it just seems so final. And it was really hard. I, I come home from school and, and I, I said to my mother one time, of course, she's my mother. So she she knew exactly. She could just tell, you know, I'd hide it. And, you know, I, I had so many friends and so everyone was so nice. And but I never felt so alone. Mm. You know, it was a very interesting, like, dynamic, you know, where had all these lovely people and they're inviting me to all these things but i just felt so alone and it was just hard it was really hard because the culture was different and the question was always like where are you from oh you're from ireland oh it's so what are you here for yeah. all right and then it was like so do you prefer it here and yeah. it was there was always a sentiment like this thing of do you prefer it here yeah 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 you know what i mean and i was like yeah, yeah well no no i mean i miss i love ireland i'm from ireland i, I miss ireland you know what i mean yeah. oh oh okay why, why are you here then? And well, yeah, you know, a lot of times certain people, they would say that, like, well, why don't you go back? I'm like, well, I mean, can I not just miss my home country? Like, <laughs> can I not just love that a little more, you know, and, uh, which I thought was very, very interesting. But, but they're coming from an angle like I think a lot of Americans assume, wrongfully so, that everyone on the face of the earth wants to be here. Yeah. Um, I don't think they... Yeah, and I don't think they realize that every country on earth has immigration. Mm. I don't think they realize that Ireland has immigration. You know, England has immigration, Australia. I mean, the Irish go to England first, then they go to Australia second, and the United States tends to be third or fourth on the... Mm. It's trickier to get there, right? Easier to go to Australia. I mean, it's longer, but, you know, with visas and all that stuff, or anywhere in Europe, because, you know, you have a European passport. So... But it's always that interesting that, you know, I mean, everyone here in the States is constantly reminded how great the country is. And it is great, you know, but so is Ireland, you know, Ireland's great and it's mega. And and I try and tell people that I'm like, well, I mean, America's, I mean, is it it the greatest country on earth? Well, maybe to you, but I says, you know, and I love America, Mm. absolutely love it. But I mean, it has its issues. It has its flaws, just like Ireland has issues and Ireland has flaws. I mean, I'm realistic in that sense. And 
you know and um but it was always it was always tricky talking about that because i was the outside guy coming in mm-hmm. you know what i'm so saying i mean now the u.s that. citizen yeah you know and it was you know you had to tread lightly i suppose and with respect but um mm-hmm. i love it here i mean i love what this country has but i do miss ireland dearly you know and, and i always will Tell me this, Paul, right? Because th- this is at the stage where way back in 1994, if you were lucky, you would have like a modem, a 56K modem, and you might be able to send an email. But, you know, now when kids move abroad, they have Snapchat, they have TikTok, they can keep in touch with everybody. Literally, as soon as you get off the plane, you can be back in your group chats and that. But that didn't exist for you when you moved. Did you keep in contact with the lads back in Limerick, back in Munster? Uh, or was that something that gradually fell away because it was just so difficult to keep in touch with people? Yeah, I mean, like, geez, when, you know, that's why I always joke about 1994, like, because you're right. I mean, internet was in its infancy, right? And I mean, the world at that time was a lot bigger. Nowadays, you're right. With Snapchat and Facebook, it's the size of a marble, you know? And um, so to answer your question, like, um, at that time, no, I didn't. And that's why I had such a hard time with it. It seems so final. Like, I, Ireland was so far away, you know what I mean? And my friends were so far away and it was like a massive phone call a collect call which i my dad didn't want to pay obviously you know what i mean so like mm. there are all these things that you know so i i went home i did it in the form of going home so like that first year what was that the first summer i went back to ireland and i worked in shannon you know mm. with my good my good friends lived there that's where i was born like so i i stayed with them for the summer like two months and then i got a job in the oakwood arms across the street and and that was my way of connecting and going home like once a year and, and seeing my mates and, you know, and surprising them. I loved surprising them where I'd give them a ring, like, where are you at? And then they're like, oh, we're down at the, the Oakwood Arms or or if they're in Limerick, they're like, geez, what would they be at? Like Saints and Scholars at that time. Or, mm. And then like, all right, well, I'll, I'll meet you there. <gasps> you know what I mean? It'd be like, shock, like, what are you here? Yeah. You know, and, and then, of course, it'd be a mad laugh. The whole night would be wrecked, you know, so mm. that was cool. And so that's how I kept in contact really was was basically physically being there when I could you know what mm. I mean and that would, that's kind of how I that was my therapy was knowing that I'd be going back to Ireland maybe in the summer to work or whatever it was um but yeah with the advent of of Facebook the internet and all that stuff it I slowly started you know able to reach out to people like one of my best 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 friends ever is Rory McDonald he lives in Australia and he he and I were best friends when I was like 10 you know, and I lost contact with him for, for years. And, and now, you know, we reach out every once in a while and, you know, and I always follow him on Facebook, see his kids growing up and does he does the same. And, and they always say, you know, best friends, you don't have to talk to each other every day. Right. But it's, no. you know, you can see how they're doing. And, you know, one of these days I'll get out there to Australia, mm. you know? Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. That connectivity that we have nowadays is fantastic, you know? Oh Yeah. <laughs> When did you realize as an adult that your future was going to be in America? Because when you reach 18, 19 and that kind of thing, you can kind of go, right, ma'am, right, dad, you know, enjoy the job here. I'm moving back to Shannon or to Limerick or or whatever. Mm -hmm. But you decided that you were going to make a life for yourself in America. Yeah. Um, So right when I graduated in 95, um, I really wanted to go to art school. And there was one of the best art schools apparently in the country was in Milwaukee. It was only about about an hour and a half away. So I didn't want to go to the other side of the, like a lot of people here, a lot of kids, they want to go to the other side of the country away from their parents and, you know, and, and like, you know, be individuals and uh, sow their own roots somewhere else. I was like, well, oh, geez, I just emigrated. I don't want to go too far. And, and it, I looked out in the fact that my ed, it was called Milwaukee Institute of Art and Design, that it was in Milwaukee. 
And so, so I packed up when I was 18 and off I went to, uh, to Milwaukee. I was so excited because to me, that's when I was going to forge new friendships, you know, because up to that point, I was, I was the one guy trying to figure out everyone else. Right. But I knew like, okay, I'm going to be starting at a new school. Everyone's going to be new. Everyone's going to be forging their friendships. And I was going to be done. I'm like, this is going to be great. I'm going to, this is going to race through this. And I did, you know, and for me, that was, that was the start. And I made some of my best friends now to date, you know, are, uh, are from my college days. You know, uh, we, we roomed together because we were roommates, right? We worked together. We went to school together. So you forge much closer relationships that way. And and uh, as far as me staying in America, yeah, I just thought the opportunities were here. And I mean, at that time, I was just on the precipice of adulthood. And I mean, geez, why jump back to Ireland when I could wait, I could figure out what I'm doing here, you know? And um, and I knew that I was going to go home all the time. You know what I mean? I, I knew that. And a lot of people even to this day ask, are you going to, do you think you'll ever return to Ireland? I said, yeah. I mean, I'd love to. I'd love if one of my family or relatives leaves me a plot of land or a small house or something you know what I mean and absolutely you know but right now I mean I I try and go home when I can um and this is kind of a good segue into the tours you know it's like I I thought you know I've always wanted to do that you know and what a great way to go home to Ireland um and bring people and and kind of educate them in a way you know like hey this is how it's done this is what we do and rather than just going to the Blarney Stone and you know, and, and it's a lot of Americans love that stuff and listen to a Danny boy or watching Darby O'Gill. And, you know, it, it's, it's such a, <laughs> a I want to, it is, and it's fine. You know, if you love Danny boy, nothing wrong with that. You know, and if you like Darby O'Gill, nothing wrong with that, but it's, it's a, it is a cliche. So like, I'm here to say, look, I'll take you home and we're going to go to some great places. You know what I mean? And, and places that I grew up in like Kilkenny and, you know, Limerick and, you know, and, um, you know, Dublin or whatever it is, and, and like, and, and show you the real Ireland, you know, show you how we do it, you know, like, and, and that's so important, I think. Yeah, know? I was looking at the schedule for the first tour. When is the first tour taking place? When are you bringing the first group over? Um, well, we're shooting for October, which is really right around the corner. So my main focus is that one right now, um, the end of October. Um, and we're going to be doing three nights in three different cities. I, I figured it's probably easier to do less, less uh, packing up and moving to different hotels, you know. So we're going flying into Dublin, then straight to Galway for three nights, then uh, Kilkenny for three nights and then back up to Dublin for three nights. Um and just showing people like, you know, just how, what a great city, what these great cities are, you know what I mean? Like, and I have a lot of friends over there and hopefully I'll be able to meet them when I get there, you know, and we'll be doing pub crawls, which, you know, you can't go to Ireland without a few pub crawls, you know? I, I think uh, the whole thing just needs to be one massive pub crawl. And yeah, I'm not I think against so, it, yeah. I can tell you. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. A big one, massive one. You know, hopefully they all have what it takes to, to, to get through it right to the end in Dublin, you know, we'll see. Maybe I won't, I have no idea. So we'll see, but... That's I'm right. excited. Well, I was looking at the schedule there, Paul, right? Mm. And it's pretty much straight off the plane. And the next stop, an hour, an hour and a half later, is at the Tullamore Jew Distillery. And yeah. then you're on to Galway that evening and that kind of thing. So it's full mm. on from the off, you know? Mm -hmm. Who are the kinds of people who you're aiming for? Who do you want to go? And who do you find is booking already? Because, you know, if you're 75, you're not going to survive drinking whiskey in the afternoon too many days in a row, right? No, you're not. Well, so <laughs> it's exactly... Um, so our age group at this point is, you know, uh, 30s, well, 20s, 30s and 40s and 50s, you know, um, and there are a lot of my old regulars, actually, to be honest with you, a lot of the people that know me, 
that care for me, that trust me um, and know what I'm all about, they signed on right away, you know, because I've been doing this 25 years. You know, I've been bartending, running pubs, putting my everything into every Irish pub I've operated. And people saw that, you know what I mean? And they're like, well, geez, I don't, I'd love to go to Ireland if you went. And that they, people have been saying that for years. And I was like, I got to do this. You know what I mean? And and I think people just wanted someone that they knew and trusted if they were ever going to make that leap to go to Ireland. Oh, yeah, Paul's going, I'm in, you know? And so, so yeah, as far as like 75-year-olds and all that, I mean, to be fair, like we're we're flying overnight. So the idea is you sleep on the plane, you get there, so you w- you wake up, you know, like at nine or 10 and we get off the plane around 11 a.m. or something like that. I can't remember the time. So in theory, you should be refreshed. <laughs> <laughs> and then so it's like a brand new day. And then we, you know, rather than just driving for two and a half hours to Galway, which is a long drive, let's stop off halfway and go hit a Tullamore Dew distillery in the afternoon, mm-hmm. get a bite to eat. I mean, it's not like you're slamming whiskeys. After all, it is a te- it's just a tasting. So, you know, you get a couple of half drams of whiskey, a sippers, you know. And mm. I think everyone said, because I wanted to do a whiskey a whiskey tour in Ireland, you know, call it the Irish whiskey belt, um, kind of like the bourbon belt over here, you know. And and uh, and uh, everyone's like, geez, over eight, eight nights in Ireland, there's a lot of distilleries. And I was like, well, geez, like we wouldn't be slamming whiskeys like whatever we do. You know what I mean? It's like it's like maybe if you did one distillery a day, like you just go in, you sample a few and you do a pub in the evening. But yeah, I have to rework that one a little bit. So people, I think their first impression was like, there was no way I'd have to have a, a liver transplant or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. It's it's a brilliant idea altogether. Who's booking on the t- on the trip now? Are, like, is it is it going to cost people an absolute fortune? Is that you know? Are you aiming at the sort of the higher end of the market, the middle end of the market? What what sort of people are, are booking their tickets with you? So so right now it's it's everyone in I'd say middle class. You know what I mean? Like where um, they've always wanted to do this has been a dream of theirs. Almost everyone is has Irish in their blood. They've never been. They know me. And it's probably going to cost around, I'd say, like three grand a head. Um, but that covers everything. Like, that's everything. Kind of like an all-inclusive in Mexico. You're going to be paying that, you know, with the airfare as well. And um, But this is Ireland, you know, and it's transatlantic. And it's it's a direct flight nonstop from Chicago to Dublin, which is lovely. There's no there's no layovers, none of that shite, you know. And, and you know, they're, all the hotels are four-star hotels. Mm. Um, we have a wonderful um tour guide um paddy's his name uh great guy um he'll be he'll be on the luxury uh bus for us luxury coach with with a toilet you need one of those <laughs> make um, sure make sure to put, get that across there people need know. to know there's gonna be a toilet on the bus there's gonna there's be a toilet and there'll be a bar in the back as well no i'm joking and um <laughs> And basically, you know, there'll be a, a meal every in every city we go to included. And um, of course, you know, with I'm going with my friend Ian Gould. He's a musician, a very well-known mu- musician here in Wisconsin. He's from Belfast. Wonderful musician, just a um, absolute hoot. And like he just got back from Ireland, actually, on one of the tours he did. Um, so I just figured, like, here you have me. I'm this messing Irish guy, like, you know, pub publican if you will and and he's the he's a musician from the north and i'm from the south and you put the two together and it's like you have this really good dichotomy of like things to do and then we'll do one in the north of ireland with him and um and just just really like getting more of a balance of what ireland really is right mm-hmm. um 
But also it includes getting back to the cost. It includes your entry fees. It includes like if we're going to be taking a ferry to the Iron Islands. So it includes that, wow. you know, like we'll do a Bunrahi banquet. It includes that, you know, so it includes a lot of stuff, you know. And so and I think a lot of people out there would say, which well, is three grand's a lot. I'm like, but, you know, everything's wrapped in, you know, everything's rolled into it, including the tra- the land package and all that stuff. You don't have to drive anywhere. You don't have to rent a car. Um and I'm very well aware that a lot of people want to visit Ireland and do it on their own. And I, and I always recommend that. That's always been my go-to is like, oh, yeah, if you're going to go see Ireland, see it, you know, rent a car, you know. But a lot of people, a lot of Americans are are very uh, nervous of that. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, after all, you know, like I, I, I said earlier that we, we learn how to drive. It's like a bumper car here, you know, so everyone knows how to drive uh, automatic. Well, in Ireland, a lot of those are manuals or stick shift, right? And you're driving on the other side of the road and the roads are a lot smaller. And there's sheep everywhere and there's donkeys crossing the road and like, you know, and, and that's real, you know, and, and that's great. And that's what makes Ireland lovely. And, you know, like, whereas I think what we offer is a sense of security, you know, a sense of safety. And like, you know, you can see all those things, but you have a, you have a well-versed fella riding or driving the bus and he'll be singing to you and I'll be singing to you. You know, and and that's how it should be. And be telling great stories, you know, and all that stuff while we're driving. So what people are looking out, it's not just me on a microphone going, and to our right, we have Kilkenny Castle. It's me telling stories about like what we're doing right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and just people fascinated with just what it is to be Irish and, and growing up in Ireland and having these great conversations. And I fully plan on passing the microphone around to all the people on the bus and like, let's hear your story. Mm. let's talk you know what i mean like that's what we'd be doing in a pub right yeah. you know and that's why they call it a pub you know and it's not just a bar it's a pub and it's where people come and get to know each other and i think was it james joyce or wb yates that said you know strangers are friends you've yet to meet and you know and and that's what these are all about it's like getting people together showing them this amazing place and like giving them all these amazing stories and and all this stuff and then hopefully if we if i do my job right those people are going to leave and they're going to be great friends and we'll have reunions in the future and maybe we'll do another trip to a different part of ireland in the future and yeah you know but it gives people a real sense of what ireland truly is you know what i mean so well that's it it's a hugely powerful proposition because part of what you're offering people is your own story you're going to places that you have links to and that you like and instead of saying oh well this is where this happened you're going to be saying this is where this happened to me this is the exactly. last thing I saw before I left. And I think that that's, you know, what, what's much more compelling for people. And then, of course, they have their own stories. We all know of, I'm sure you've come across people in, in your bars who say to you, oh, my father was from Cold Island. My people were from Mayo. They were from Derry. They were from Cork, you know. And mm-hmm. when you connect all these things together, you know, and when all our stories connect, that's going to be completely different from just arriving over and being driven from pillar to post and that kind of thing, you know. Um, exactly. It, have you planned, you know, version number two, version number three? Is this something that you want to do on a sort of a rolling basis now in the future, Paul? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, Philip, I, I want to do like these, you know, like six to eight or nine or ten a year, you know, mm-hmm. like do one a month, you know. Um, I have, I'm not there yet. You know, right now we have, I'd say realistically, we have three booked. But I just started this, getting the word out about two months ago. Mm. um and everyone's really excited and i just want to keep the the ball rolling on this you know you, it's i love doing things like this more podcasts getting the word out there and um but ultimately i mentioned doing like a whiskey one it'd be great to do that you know uh, ian and i talked about doing one where we do we we take a, the short ferry to scotland 
or to I think Isle the the Isle of Isle um and you can do a couple of distilleries there and then touch base with Bushmills you know and a couple of local distilleries in the north so we could do like a cool Scottish you know uh Northern Irish kind of uh, whiskey uh thing as well and and I think people will jump with that stuff because it's unique it's different um. But I'm all about what well, you mentioned there about families, right? And like, oh, yeah, you know, my, my I'm O'Brien, you know, like, or I'm the O'Driscolls and where are we from? And, and I'm like, great, you are. Look, look, let's let's figure this out. Where where does your family originate? Um, how many is in your family? Um, and let's get them all over there. Hmm. Let's go to where the O'Driscolls, the towns the O'Driscolls are from. Let's go to those pubs. Let's talk to your relatives. You probably meet them all over there. And I like doing those trips as well, like. And I would do the research because a lot of people over here, they're like, I've always wanted to go. You know, I, I know my family's from Mayo or, or from Sligo. Let's do it then, you know, and it's, let's go. And and let me take you there. And and we'll, we'll uh, I'll learn a lot. You'll learn a lot. And and uh, hopefully you'll meet some distant relatives in the process. You know what I mean? What, so, what's the Irish Irish community like? Is it in Wisconsin? Are you sort of aiming for people who know you from being in business there? Or are you aiming for people from California to New York kind of thing? Do, I'm sure you'll take anybody's money, I suppose, when it comes I, to booking places. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that because I have people reaching out to me from Phoenix. I have people reaching out to me from North Carolina, from California. How do I go on this trip? I really want to go on this trip. My mother lives in Milwaukee. Should I fly to Milwaukee? And I'm saying, no, I mean, we could meet you there, you know, like you, if you want to go on this trip, you know, you contact us and um, all we do is, you know, instead of, Air, instead of you flying from Aer Lingus from sh- Chicago to Dublin, we'd fly you from California to Dublin mm-hmm. and maybe a couple of layovers, but they'd work that out. Um, the price would fluctuate because of the airfare, right? But um, no, we can, we can take you from anywhere. Um and we could just meet you there. Or if you'd rather, yeah, you could fly. I think one of our one of our uh, interested parties there, where are they, Phoenix? And she was like, well, no, no bother. Like we, my family lives in Chicago. We'll fly there and then we'll meet you there and we'll, we'll all head out together. And I was like, Brent, right, sure. I mean, as long as if that's what you want to do, but it's really flexible. So, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's the thing with O'Hare Airport. Basically, every flight ends up there at some point. So it's an easy place to get to when you're going somewhere, you know? Massive, massive hub. Massive hub. You you mentioned there, Paul, that you've been sort of 25 years in the catering. Is it mostly Irish bars that you've worked in at that time around Milwaukee and Wisconsin? Uh, Yeah, for the most part. Um, So I ran, operated uh, the pub. It's called County Clare. And I was always so proud of the fact that I was from County Clare as a native of Clare. I was the only one there that, that was from Clare. And it's pretty much a cornerstone here in Milwaukee. Milwaukee is about 2% Irish. It's the vast majority is German. But I swear to God, like 2% come into that pub, you know, and um, it's so many off the boat Irish in there. And, you know, because people always used to say to me, they're like, well, your accent's really strong. You've been there so long. I'm like, well, you know, I work in Irish pubs for so many years and I go home all the time. Um, but that was a lovely, a lovely experience. Then with the same company operated another pub uh, just out west called uh, the Clark Hotel and um, did that for a year or two. Um, uh, and then down in Kenosha, Ashley on the lock. So I have like a, you know, I'm kind of speckled all around, you know, and, and now I'm working for a great um, beer making company called Good City, Good City Brewing. Um, and they're out of Milwaukee and they're a very well-known um, microbrewery here in the city. And Dan Cat, he's the owner, he's, good, he's a friend of mine. And 
he was nice enough to take me on. And, you know, for me, I wanted to really kind of keep my management on the sidelines and just kind of work for a while just so I could really focus on these tours, you know. So they've been really gracious about that as well. So, but that's a good spot, you know, and keeping it. I, I want to stay behind the bar some degree so I can still talk to people about the tours and stuff like that, you know, so. What, what makes a good Irish pub in America, Paul? What are the, the key ingredients? So they're... You know, there isn't really an awful lot of good Irish pubs in America. Like I always say, there's there's a lot of Irish pubs or bars. Maybe that's a better expression. There's a lot of Irish bars, and a lot of times the owners aren't Irish. Now that doesn't have that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be Irish to own an Irish pub, but a lot of them they don't really, you know, they have a name, an Irish name on the door, and you know they have a pool table and a dartboard, you know, and and you look at their beer selection and they may have Jameson whiskey or something, you know, and they may, they sometimes they don't even have Guinness, you know, but they may have Jameson, but they don't have any other Irish whiskey. So you can tell it's just more like the owner, they're just trying to capitalize on the name, you know, and, and the theme of an Irish pub. So having said that, it's not that hard to create a great Irish experience. Um, and that's what I've been successful doing. I think a lot of people see that when they, when they would come into Ashling or they come into any of the bars I operated where, they come in they're like wow it's like a bubble it was like this crazy like little bubble of ireland i and people would come in they'd have our food and then they're like man this reminds me of when i was there when i was in college and holy smokes like you know and this this is it this is it you know and, and it was the feeling you know you you create a vibe and that's what a, a true good irish pub is right i mean you can I think a lot of wealthy Americans and entrepreneurs, they, they go, you know what, I'm going to make an Irish pub. I'm going to put a lot of money into it. I'm going to, f- I'm going to fly in all the wood from Ireland and, or fly in the bar from Ireland. We're going, to, we're going to reassemble it over here. We're going to create this really cool, almost like a, a Ireland meets Disney world, you know, is what I always say. And you're, so you're creating all these great props, right? Mm. But then it falters because your staff and you, the owner, doesn't really know what it is to be an Irish pub right and it's like you know uh, at the end of the day it's not just the walls it's not just the people it's like it you you have to create a state of mind you know and, and you know when you when you walk into a true Irish pub you feel it right away without even a word spoken you walk in you're like mm, yeah this is right it feels good it's a feeling you feel especially if you're from Ireland you know and when you look at the barman you look at him and there's eye contact and then you just need to nod and they know that's a Guinness. Or yeah. sometimes you put one finger up, right? One finger. That always implies a Guinness, a pint. Yeah. Whereas I was that was always my test. I'd go into a new bar and I'd go, I'll have a pint. And then they go, of. And I'm like, yeah. I, I'm leaving. Yeah, I'm out the door. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Or do you know what John Powers is? I don't. I have Jameson. Ah, I'm out the door. You know? <laughs> <laughs> But is it does it come down to that then for you, Moti? I mean, there's been a couple of pubs. I live in Stockholm in Sweden, and there's been a couple of mm-hmm. pubs with a sign over the door to call themselves Irish pubs. But like you say, yes. you walk in and there's nothing. There's no vibe. There's no atmosphere. There's no nothing. Is it yeah. really the staff that provide that? Like, you know, not just the skill, but also the personality as well. Because I can only imagine you behind the bar telling people about these tours, telling people about Clare and about Limerick and Kilkenny. Is that mm-hmm. where it comes from, Paul? It definitely is a start. You know, it's definitely a starting point. You know, you have to start somewhere. And I think, you know, if, if the owner or the manager cares, and again, I have to stress, you don't necessarily have to be Irish. Mm. 
it's not about that. You know, it's, and I think a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah, you know, it's about, you could have lived in Ireland, you could understand what is the Irish. Um, but yeah, it's just creating that experience, that, that feeling, that the warmth, you know, and, and I have to say, like being Irish, it's you obviously have a head, you've a you're a step above everyone else because you understand that right away, right? Um, so for me, yeah, it starts with me, or it starts with the owner or the management, and then and then training the staff, but finding those those great human beings because you know you can find people anywhere, but finding the right people. You know, we always used to say like, you know, you can get on the bus, but what seat do you sit on? Either you get on the bus or you get off the bus. So once you're on the bus, where's the best place for this individual in this operation? You know what I mean? And and having characters, I used to hire great people. Personalities is what you hire, you know. And and um and hopefully, I mean, you can train them how to pour a pint. You can train them how on on your whiskey knowledge. All those things are trainable, but you can't teach the gift of the gab. You can't teach like a, a tough skin. You can't teach that personality where you you can you can tell a story about grass growing and and people are like fascinated. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, they're like, hold on, Shani, he's talking about the grass growing. I'm really amazed. I'm waiting for the rain to come down. This is great. Hold on a second. You know what I mean? And like, and, and like, hanging under like, every word, like, and everyone's like, what is going to, you know? And that's what we call that a Shanky in Ireland, like a Shanky, like, you know, where you can, you're great at telling stories, but then you're a step above is a Shanky, right? And where you can make anything sound amazing, yeah. you know, a, a, a story, right? And, and that's I take pride in. I but I think a lot of that for me comes with the the, the vast love I have for my country. Mm. That I I feel like an ambassador for Ireland, where I'm like I it's my duty to tell you and to show you what it is to be Irish, right? Mm. And I feel that I feel very it's very important to me, you know. And this is the next step for me is taking you there, you know. So yeah, I, I think a lot of people who live abroad uh, have that because we feel like you know I find that you know Scandinavians for instance they see they have a very hard diff- time telling the difference between Ireland and Britain and that kind of thing you know trying to explain these things and not lose your temper with them and that you know yeah. and trying to explain that no it is its own place it's a very special mm. place it's very different from anything you're going to see anywhere else and you take great pride in sort of telling that those stories in the right way you know um, I need to ask you a question because yeah. I've never really understood it right how in the name of God does tipping work in Irish bars in america what am i supposed to do paul put me out of my misery tell me what i need yeah. to do when i buy a pint off you so basically i mean tipping in america it's not required i mean i think uh, sometimes we get into this thing like you have to tip you have to tip and i'm here to say and i i've made a living on tipping you know and um um but i look at it as firmly as like look i'm going to get a good tip if if i do my job if i do a really good job you know, and, and that's where you have to look at it. I shouldn't say it's not required. It's because, I mean, a lot of the servers, the servers here make two thirty three an hour. It's, it's below minimum wage. So there is a standard of, you know, you got to leave about 20% or something like that. But what I'm trying to say is, you know, if you want to make more than that, or if you, if, if someone like leaves you 10% or less, you kind of have to look at yourself and go, no, no, granted, some of them could be cheap. <laughs> someone could, that's just, but that's what you're going to get. I mean, even in, even what I do, you know, there is you 99% or 99.9% of the people are amazing, but you're going to get that 0.001%. That's just the luck of the draw. Mm. So if you find yourself not getting tipped very well, you kind of have to do a little self-reflection and just be like, I mean, what is it that I'm not doing? And, and over the years, like I've I've heard servers complain a bit on about, you know, they're they did they got stiffed on this, they got stiffed on that, and you know, and I'm like, Yeah, but I mean, you're 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 putting in the bare minimum. 
Mm-hmm. And I think the tipping culture in America kind of ensures that your service is second to none, you know, and, and you'll notice that in America and you come in, you're like, you're being waited on hand and foot because people are there. They want, they want a good tip, you know, whereas in Ireland, it's, it's not necessarily the case. Right. So, I mean, there, that's, that's a huge difference, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's, it's a, uh, it depends on which restaurant you go into. Right. But mm-hmm. we typically, typically 20%, um you know 15 to 20 percent is good i mean i i did really well you know but again I, you, you go above and beyond right and mm-hmm. and when you develop those friendships and those core people i mean you're 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 off in another league you know mm-hmm. and um that's kind of where we're at so so if i go and sit at a bar now this evening in uh, kenosha wisconsin right and mm-hmm. i order a drink from you are you expecting me to sort of put a dollar or two dollars down straight away or should i tip you at the end right and i'm asking like i don't know how many times i've been to america paul and i just never seem to get this right i never feel comfortable with it yeah, so yeah. is that what happens depending on where you're sitting you know because at the end if you have a meal fine you get that and it even says this is 10 percent, this is 15 this is 20 and you just add yeah. it but you know in those small transactions if you're getting a round in would you tip each time kind of thing yeah, I mean, if well, first of all, I wouldn't be bartending in Kenosha. I'm, I'm not in Kenosha anymore. I'm back in Milwaukee, but you know, yeah. like anyway, like. But I know what you mean. Like, so basically, if you go in and you you buy a round and you go up to the bar, you buy a quick round of four pints, and you walk away and you're paying cash. Yeah, throw down twenty percent. So we'll say like you know, four pints is twenty bucks. Well, throw down four dollars, a dollar a pint. Essentially, that's a good rule. Of, rule of thumb is like a dollar a drink or. You know, if you're getting 10 drinks, I mean, maybe, you know, instead of $10, you'd throw down eight, you know what I mean? Or something like that. Um, it tends to be, you know, give or take, if someone buys a pint, they throw a dollar down, mm. you know? Um, um, but again, it's, 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 it's really based on, you know, your experience, right? I mean, if you sit down at the bar, your belly at the bar and you're, you're having a bite to eat, you're going to be sitting there for a couple hours and having, enjoying a few pints, you know, you don't tip right away. You wait till the end. And the, the bartender will know that. And the bartender will, you know, give you great service and all that stuff in the hopes that, you know, if your bill is 50 bucks, you know, hopefully you're going to leave, you know, um, a $10 tip or maybe a 12 or $15 tip. But usually in my case, if someone was leaving, you know, if, if they had a tab of 50, by that time, I would have had him at the bar long enough to clamass the pants out of them. You know what I mean? <laughs> and just, just give them a great time where they want to come back. And I wouldn't get... I wouldn't get 20%, most likely I get 20 bucks, you know what I mean? So instead of a $10 tip on a $50 tab, I'd get like 20 or 25 or 30, you know, and because you're going above and beyond, like you're giving them that experience that, that, you know, you're not just going up and go, hello, sir, what can I get for you? Yeah. I mean, sure, that's polite and that's very nice, but it's very, there's, there's nothing there. It's hollow. But yeah. if you're, if you talk to someone and even throw in a few cuss words and, you know, we're good at that in the Irish, you know, we put the F-bomb in, in the middle of every word, you know, and, and, and it works, you know, and, and people look at you and they're like, I like this guy, you know what I mean? He's real, you know, and I there's something happening great. here, like, yeah, there's something happening here. He's, and, but when they leave, they become your friend and you shake hands. I always shake hands. I'm always like, how's it going? I'm Paul. What's your yeah. name? I'm Jerry. And this is my wife, Josephine. Oh, how are you doing? How are you doing? Nice to meet you. You know, and then the next time they're in, how's it going, Jerry? How are you, Josephine? How are you doing? Where's your seat? Here's your pint. They, you already know what they're drinking. You know yeah. their name. And they're like, I'm, to, to me, that's a default setting. Yeah. And they're, but they don't get that anywhere else. But they mm. get it where I'm at. And that's the same thing with the tour. You're, that's why they want to go. Because they're like, Paul's real. Like, I want to go with him. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and But that's how the Irish are. We're real. You know, that's and it. like, 
a great story really quick um i had a story of one we had a uh, a guy, he was traveling to Ireland and he was telling me the story verbatim right from his own mouth. And he was like, uh, she's Paul, like he went over there, you know, and I just got back. Great, great people. I can't believe how wonderful the hospitality is in Ireland. And I'll tell you a quick story. He goes, I was driving and I was on the wrong side of the road and we, I hit a farmer and we head on. I mean, luckily they're only doing 20 or whatever, whatever it was he hit him because he was on the wrong side of the road. The farmer gets out, they all look at the car and he's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And you ran the farmer. He's like, Asher, are you all right? Yeah, you're, you're OK. I am. And he goes, well, listen, listen, come on. My wife's making dinner down the road at the farm. Why don't you come on? You're welcome to come with us and have dinner with us and we'll sort all this out. And he was like, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's that's Ireland in a nutshell. Now, there's probably a lot of Irish out there going, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd love to know what the claim ended up at but I mean the I idea of it is absolutely brilliant well he was <laughs> lucky he, he probably was going to lock him in his basement as you're not getting out of there until you, you know <laughs> until he got all the money yeah, yeah, exactly. Paul tell us where can people find the tours have you set up a separate business for this or are you just doing it through your own personal Facebook or where can people find it and book it and join you then in Ireland in October it's uh, the Facebook group page is Gould and Ward Ireland 2024 so it's G-O-U-L-D uh, the symbol and yep. W-A-R-D Ireland 2024. And my email address is pwardtravel at gmail.com. So I figured, you know, if, if uh, you know, Golden Ward Ireland 2024, you know, join the group, you can passively follow it. You know, you can passively look at my posts. You can passively look at the updates and all that stuff. And if it doesn't work for you this year, maybe you're like, you know what, I want to go in 2025 or 2026. And mm. a lot of people are reaching out to me and they're, they're saying like, um, you know, I've been watching your, I've been following your group and we really want to go. We can't do it this year, but hopefully next year or the year after. And I'm like, there you go. Just, you know, make sure to spread the word, you know, like mm. get the word out there. And, you know, there's a lot of people that have always wanted to go to Ireland and they've, never had either they've never had the opportunity or something like this you know just didn't arise mm. so so this is the way to do it gould and ward ireland 2024 and i may change the name obviously because 2024 is going to become obsolete pretty soon but um you know i don't have a website yet and we're working on that but my main thing is is getting the first tour going where we can take about 40 people um and honestly word of mouth word of mouth word of mouth so when those 40 people come back, I am 100% positive they are going to spread the word like crazy. Mm. And then when we take the next group, which will right now is planned uh, next year in April, the end of April, and then we have another one the end of May, and hopefully another one the end of June. Um, so we'll be doing 40 again, 40 and 40. Hopefully they'll be doing the same. And basically that's how we're going to get the word out. You know, it's mm. it's not going to be from spending money on advertising. I can tell you that. It's going to be taking you there showing you there and just having the best time of your life and then you're going to be telling your friends and they're going to be jumping on the bandwagon going geez i heard my mother and father went we want to go we've always wanted to go you know and and that's that's really how it works because that's how i did it in the bar business always word of mouth that's it you know? there's no better advertising than a satisfied customer i think is the saying you know absolutely and you always listen to those people i mean if your mother and oh. father geez you gotta go on this trip is amazing you like you tend to listen to that you know what i mean or your best buddy like, yeah, I just took this trip with my wife. Really? Who is that? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. we should look into that. So, Brilliant. you know. Yeah. I have one very last question for you, Paul. Of all yeah. the things that you have planned over these nine days of the first trip, what are you personally looking forward to the most on the first trip that you're doing now in October? 
So me personally, I mean, because I was I grew up in Kilkenny in my early years, you know, and, and I always have fond memories of playing in the the ground of the castle. And it's it always meant a lot to me, Kilkenny, you know, and at this really early years of my life. And I have these like screenshots like in my head, you know, and of of Ireland or of Kilkenny. And, and it's such a beautiful old city that predates all the Victorian Georgian architecture, which I absolutely love. It's true Ireland. And, you know, and granted the castle is different, but like the grounds, I always remember playing football with my, my brother and that means a lot to me. And I always remember there being a duck pond way at the end. And I remember when I went back there in June with my two daughters, um, I was like, well, I, wonder if that, I wonder if that duck pond is still there. I wonder if that, or was that just in my head? Mm-hmm. And I went there and I was like, come on, let's go back here. And it was at the very end of the, um, the grounds. And sure enough, there's this little walkway and I walked in and there was there. And I was like, holy moly, there it is. And it was for something just to me, it was a duck pond. It, it was reality. It was like a dream that came reality. And it, those are the things that I look forward to. And hopefully, like when people come with me, they have those similar things. Maybe they were there when they were really little and they want to go back and see those things and make those connections. And but but it's it's the nostalgia of it all. It's like reconnecting with, you know, things that you were growing up with or and I mean, whenever I, I go home, it, it's it's funny to say this, but it, it feels like like the mountains are recognize you, the trees recognize you, the air feels fresher, and you're just like, I feel like I'm I belong. And I, like and there's some that's what it is for me. That's what I look forward to the most when I go home is is that sense of belonging, that sense of like, yeah, you're home now. And now you get to take these people around your living room and around your backyard. You know what I mean? And and uh upstairs and all that stuff and to me that's that's what it's all about you know what i mean and sitting around the fireplace and you know but looking as your home is the entire country yeah you know and and giving people that sense of it's not darby o'gill you know it's not leprechauns you know it's it's not blarney cat like sure all those things are elements it but it's this it's 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 human beings with stories to tell and we're really good at telling stories in ireland and and that's what it's all about, you know, the human aspect and the feelings and, and the connections and the reconnections, hopefully. Indeed. I think yeah. in the world we live in at the moment, that kind of connection is what most of us are looking for. And you are somebody who's been sort of sharing Ireland with the world for so long now, and now you're going to get to do it on site. Paul, yeah. it's been absolutely brilliant talking to you. And maybe we'll catch up again when the tour is over. We'll find out how it went. But for now, thanks so much for talking to me. Oh, absolutely. It was a pleasure. Thanks a million, Philip. All the best. What's not to love about Ireland? This tiny island that has shown the greatest gift of poetry and storytelling. I love the Kerry coastline. I love the Ring of Kerry. My father, Tom Rosnan, was a Kerryman, so I try to go back there as often as I can. And what do I miss about Ireland? It's the people. The sheer stamina and life force of Irish people from this great, beautiful landscape. I'm a Navin man, County Meath. I left Ireland when I was a boy, I was 11. So over these many decades now going back, there's always something great to discover. A 
here you go. If you're not going to listen to me and you're not going to listen to Paul, well, you may as well listen to Pierce Brosnan himself. James Bond, boys and girls, talking about all the great things that you can do in Ireland and uh, the great joy that it brings him and the ring of Kerry and all those things. And be Jesus, I'm on skyscanner.net already looking. Actually, I'm not going to bother with skyscanner. I'll just get on to Paul and I'll go on his tour instead. Yeah, so if you have the chance, uh, look Paul up on Facebook there and get in touch with him because that sounds like a brilliant tour altogether. Not least the whiskey distillery in the afternoon there will be of interest to a great many Irish people of the 70 million around the world. I am going to leave it at that for this week because my nose is running like a tap and I can't be snuffling in your ear hole now as you're taking the dog for a walk. So uh, in the meantime, as I say, enjoy your trips to Ireland if you're making them. Enjoy getting in touch with Paul if you're going there with him. And I shall be back again next week with another episode of The Global Gale. So until then, take care of yourselves, take care of one another, and I'll talk to you very soon. (laughs) 